Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, this is Linda Iyer, and Richard is on the other line. We are so excited to begin this new series on the radio. We love radio. We do. We, we mainly love it because we don't have to dress up, right, Linda? We can do it in our pajamas. <laughs> it's awesome. And it is so great to be able to talk about our favorite subject. We're going to be talking about parenting a lot, but also mixing it up with other things. When you say, when we say on the road, we're saying that just because we are traveling a lot. And uh, we'll be doing this from wherever we are. So that's going to be fun. But we want all of you to imagine us in a, in a coat and tie, looking immaculate, Linda in a beautiful gown, as though, as though we're standing in a television studio, right, Linda? No For matter sure. how we really look, that's how we want you to imagine us. For sure. <laughs> but it is true that we, we have the remarkable opportunity and have had now for several years to travel all over the world, essentially speaking to parents, making presentations to all kinds of parents. I guess we did a little bit of a count the other day, and in the last three years we've been in uh, 47 different countries and pretty much all of the United States. And you might say, wow, that's a lot of traveling. How do you stand it? But I think there's two things that make us really enjoy it. One is we're together, which makes it a lot of fun, Linda and I. And number two, we're with parents who are all trying to do their best at raising their kids. And what could be better than to be around people who are thinking about their first priority and trying to become better at the most important thing they probably do in their lives? You know, um, parenting is so fun, and it seems so much more fun to us now that our kids are all gone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It really is one of those things. In fact, when you were saying envision us in a studio and so on, maybe you should envision us with spaghetti all over us and, you know, walking through a crummy floor in the kitchen. Um, We've been through it all. We've been there and done that. We do have nine kids, five sons, four daughters, all ours, no twins, just to get the questions out of the way to start out with. (laughs) And um, they have all grown up. We can't believe it. I mean, it seems like yesterday they were all running around. But now we have 21 grandchildren with two on the way. So we have children of all ages still in our lives. Um, our, Our oldest grandchild is 14. And we're down to those two on the way. So, so you might, so you might say, if if you're a new listener, and, and you probably are, because this is the introductory show, you might say, well, what can I learn from these folks? I mean, they're has-beens. Their kids have grown up. They're done with their parenting. But of course, two things on that. Number one, you're never done. <laughs> the, yeah. pro- the problems just get a little larger and a little more expensive. And number two, you know, we we are fortunate enough to spend most of our professional lives now either writing to parents or speaking to them or talking with them in various forums around the world. And uh, not only that, for example, right today, just a couple of hours ago, we left a family reunion where we had all the grandkids And so in a way, Linda, I think we're just sort of even more immersed in the issues of children and whatnot than than we ever have been. And and we like the subtitle that uh, that, uh, BYU Radio has given our show, Parenting in a Modern World. And one of the things we feel so strongly about is that parenting changes all the time. 
Now, certain things don't change. The basic feelings of parents toward their children and the basic needs of raising a child are pretty eternal, but the circumstances around us really change, don't they? And, and we are convinced, and we, we would imagine that most of you listeners are too, that there has never been a more challenging time to try to raise children. There are so many options and so many voices and so many cultures that our children are exposed to today that it is the most profound challenge that it's ever been. And, and parents, older parents, make a mistake if they think that raising kids today is the same as it was 20 years ago. Yeah, in fact, uh, interestingly, and this really isn't our topic today, but um, last night we sat around a big table up at Bear Lake and we were all talking about how to talk to our children about sex and our grandchildren. Um, all of our children have had to talk, but now our kids are worried about their kids and all the dangers and issues that surround them, which are so scary. If they're on, on the Internet, which they all are, there are just things that happen, and they have to be ready for them. And, of course, we'll do a whole show on that. But it is a different world. And, you know, when, when we try to tell people to have this little dialogue, take your 8-year-olds out and talk to them, it is so interesting because they say, well, my parents never did that, and I'm fine. But guess what? Our kids and our grandkids are growing up in a whole different world, and we have to prepare them. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the increased difficulty of parenting today, and the, the the escalating challenge of being a parent today, simply has to do with access of information and how how incredibly much more aware our children are today of things, frankly, that we kind of wish they weren't aware of. How easily accessible things are on the internet and so on, and and the example you bring up, Linda, is a good. It's a good. It's just that. It's a good example that, uh, you know, sexual experimentation among children. Ha- it's always happened, but it happens at a younger age, and and with more support in the negative sense of the word from media and from internet and from peers than it ever has before. So, I think what we want to do in this introductory show is essentially say to you parents out there. It has never been tougher, but it has never been more important and more sort of wonderful to have the opportunity to raise kids in this world today when everything is so profoundly available to them, but where you as a parent have the opportunity to create a culture in your own family that is actually stronger than the peer culture, the media culture, the Internet culture, all these other cultures that are competing for the attention and, frankly, for the allegiance of our children. So what a challenge. And, you know, it's it's like so often when we speak, I think you'd agree, Linda, we're kind of preaching to the choir because the people who come to the parenting lectures are usually the best parents. And I think it's the same way here. I think that the people who listen to a show on the radio on parenting are probably the best parents out there. Yeah, they really are. And as long as you're talking about the best, I think we have to add to that little scenario. We also have the best children that are being born now. Oh, my gosh. Our grandchildren are so darling. And they're so teachable if you can just catch them at just the right time. But not to say that we don't have any big issues. We went through a little lying thing last summer, and this summer we're going through little issues all the time with the kids. 
but and, and sometimes they're big issues. But the point is, if we're aware of them now, if we're thinking about them, if we have an offense, if we know what we're, what we're about and how to teach them, the chances that they're going to have happy lives are so much better. In fact, the word Linda just used uh, is, is that's an extremely important word in parenting, the word offense. And also she used another word, awareness. We, we frankly, as we see you know, good families around the world, wherever we go, we also see a lot of problems. And almost every problem we see is traceable to the fact that parents just weren't aware of what was going on. They just were not aware. They were, they, they, they were taking sort of almost the head-in-the-sand approach. No one does that intentionally, but, but it's very natural to think, oh, my kids are fine. My kids are good kids. They, they, you know, these things happen to other kids, but not to my kids. And, and too much of that kind of thinking leads to a lack of awareness and a, a lack of being sensitive and thinking about what's going on and looking for clues, both pro and con, and that lack of awareness can really get you blindsided as a parent in today's world. And, and the other word of having an offense, you know, the, the, biggest, the biggest mistake, frankly, I think, that we see parents making in various forums where we meet with them and talk to them is simply that they're sort of leaving well enough alone. They're, they sort of think of parenting as a defense, like, well, if I have a problem, I hope I'll know how to solve it, or I can go get a parenting book and figure out what to do, or I can get a counselor or whatever, as though the whole idea was just uh, dealing with problems as they come up. No one likes to live life that way. No one would run a business that way. What we should be doing is saying, what do I want for my kids? How do I deliver that to them? What is my strategy, my philosophy, my my objectives here in this parenting, and then to pursue it in a good, solid, organized, sort of, I hate to say offensive, because that has two meanings, but in, a, in an offense-oriented way. And I think another word we need to add here is individuality. I mean, we say it's the same, and we've, we've said, you know, we're amazed at how much parents are the same, no matter what country we're in, whether it's in China or Australia or Vietnam. Parents want the same thing for their kids. They want their kids to be happy. But they also have the same issue we all have, and that is we all have individuals. And we know that from having nine children. We always say we have nine children, one of every kind. Because, you know, really, they're, they are such individuals, and we have the whole spectrum. Um, we have kids that are brilliant and think we're dumb. Um, we have kids who are uh, just having learning disabilities who really are struggling have struggled and have survived, and, and we'll be talking about that later down the road. Um, we have children who are totally outgoing. We have an introvert who is self-proclaimed, and it really is so fascinating to see how they grow and develop. And as, as, as they get older, I start realizing that we really had very little to do with them. They came who they were. They were total individuals when they popped into that delivery room, and it really is quite amazing to deal with that and realize they may not be like us. Some are like more like us than others, but they they have their own individual personalities, and we have to work with it. And it is it is so interesting what what Linda's saying about each child being a unique and fresh challenge. I, I think for a lot of parents, the most frightening time really is when you have that second child because you've sort of you've sort of 
started to think, oh, I'm getting pretty good at parenting. I'm, I'm through the worst of it. I know how to do it now. I've got one child. Here comes another one. I'm experienced. I know what to do. And suddenly here, here comes this other little soul who's completely different than the first one, and you suddenly realize, wait a minute, I have to start over every time. Each one is unique. But that's what makes a good parent is finding the individuality in each child. So what we're going to do every week on this show, and, and uh, we'll be on every Monday, but it will also be rebroadcast during the week, so hopefully you'll have many chances to listen. But in, in future shows, we'll have a specific subject matter for each show, and we'll really try to get into it deeply. For this introductory show, though, we just want to get to know you a little better and let you get to know us a little better and talk about some of the approach or the philosophy or the perspective in which we see parenting. And we'll take a break here in just a minute or two. And when we come back, we'll focus on what we mean by having an offense, what we mean by parenting by objective, what we mean by saying if you have some clear goals and you pursue them, in an organized way, and hopefully as a partnership, if you're lucky enough to be a two-parent family, that's the way to get satisfaction out of parenting. That's the way to see results in parenting. That's the way to be sure that you're actually making progress and being the best parent you can be. So we'll take a little break. When we come back, we'll talk about parenting by objective in a modern world. Hi, Richard and Linda, we're back with you, and we're grateful to have you as listeners on what is right now a very brand new parenting show. Um, uh, we, we actually are, it's called uh, Listening with the Iris on the Road, and we are on the road a lot, but we, in fact, we hope to be in some of your areas um, soon, and we'll know more about our audience later, but in the meantime, we're going to be talking about something we think is important to every parent. We're going to get into what we what we mean by a parenting offense, but so you can look forward to future shows, let us also say we're we're not going to avoid the tough subjects. There'll be a show soon on how to talk to your child about sex. There'll be a show on peer pressure, which is a tremendous problem for a lot of kids these days. We'll do shows on sibling rivalry, we'll do shows on some of the concerns parents have about entitlement and how entitled kids seem to feel. We'll do shows about excessive technology and what some of the rules we ought to be considering in our homes about too much technology and too much television and too much video gaming and so on. So we're going to try to deal with the issues we know you're concerned about. In this introductory show, though, we just want you to understand that our our belief is that parenting's not about waiting for problems to come up and then solving them. It's really about an offense, isn't it, Linda? It really is. And we started we realized this early on. We had a bunch of little kids like 
I can't remember, three under five or something to start out with. And we just were hyperventilating, saying, man, if we're going to succeed in this, we got to have a plan. This is just kind of a crisis rules and try to get through the day. And, and it still is like that, even when you do have a plan, let me just say. But it really is so important to have an offense, to have a plan of how you're going to proceed with your family. I think one of the reasons that was important to us early on in our family is that uh – You know, you kind of are a product of your circumstances. And when we had our first child, I was a a graduate student in in business school. We were living in Boston. I was going to the Harvard Business School. Linda was teaching uh, music in in a junior high school. And we were, you know, obviously young, beginning parents. But one thing that we really had on our minds was the idea of goal setting and having objectives and a lot of what I was dealing with every day at school was management by objective and the idea of knowing what you're trying to accomplish and then going out and doing it. And it, it struck us. I remember these early on conversations we used to have, Linda, about, okay, well, you know, we know our financial goals. We know our, we know our business goals. We know our goals in terms of, you know, where we want to go with our professional lives. But what are our parenting goals? And, and you know, that was kind of a tough question. Where, you know, the tendency was to say, well, you know, you know, what do you mean? Our goals are to, you know, be good parents and raise good kids. But, you know, that's a little like saying, well, what's your goal for your business? I don't know. Have a good company and make lots of money. I mean, until goals become specific, they're very, very hard to, to, to deal with. They don't make a lot of difference in life. And I think, um, though, when all is said and done, you really need a little perspective to look back on that. I mean, when we first had those first three little kids, it was really hard to figure out where we were going. We did realize that those little children deserved a childhood. And we found ourselves saying, when are you going to grow up, you know, to a three-year-old? And (laughs) they will in about seven years. Um, But, you know, it really is important to realize that those little kids are there to enjoy life. They're only little for a minute. So we decided our first objective for those little preschoolers was to teach them about the joy of life. To teach them, to help them to be happy. And, again, at first blush, that's like, oh, well, that's not a very specific goal. Everyone wants their kids to be happy. But we were, we were really into the thinking about this, this objective thing. And, and we, were, we were a little motivated, I think, looking back, Linda, by, by the negative things we saw around us. We, we were living, this is after we left Boston, we lived in Washington, D.C. for a while, and it was kind of a hotbed of early sort of pushy academics for, for young kids. I mean, we would get circulars or flyers or mailings that would say, uh, you know, get your, get your child in our school and we'll guarantee that your child will be able to read by the time he's three years old. Or And, and if you don't, your child is never going to make it to Harvard. I mean, they were really threatening. It was crazy. The first time we saw that, we just went, ah, oh, there's something wrong with this system. 
Um, these little kids deserve a life when they're little. And, yeah. and you know, it, it's not that we're against teaching little kids to read. We have grandchildren that can read, and it's so fun to hear them, you know, feel the confidence they have. And others, there is no way they could learn to read. Well, and part of, part of it is that we all know when we think about it that, that as parents we have such a limited, finite amount of time with these preschoolers while they're in our home and they're not yet in school and it's a precious time because it's a short amount of time and so the question we felt you have to ask yourself is you know what do i want to focus on in this limited amount of time sure if i make it my goal i can probably teach them to read when they're three years old if i make it my goal and pick the right school who knows maybe they can do square roots by the time they're five but the question is is that really the legacy you want to leave them is that really the most important thing they could learn and as linda said earlier we decided at least for ourselves and then later it became a book that that joy actual joy was the thing to try to focus on them while they're preschoolers while they're little kids and then we started subdividing what is joy well there's the joy of the body there's the joy of the earth there's the joy of sharing there's the joy of service there's the joy of setting a simple goal there's the joy of imagination there's the joy of creativity we found by thinking everything uh, in the context of a joy that could actually be taught and experienced and worked with and discussed that it started giving some meaning and some structure to our efforts with our children and we even found that if we limited the focus to one kind of joy each month that made it that was a real breakthrough for us i think don't you linda when we started just thinking of one specific kind of joy and focused on it for a whole month yeah and probably some of our listeners have experienced joy school we actually started a little system of um, teaching children in your home with the co-op parents mothers usually who organize four or five six mothers to rotate and we actually did lesson plans and and music tapes and everything pictures stories uh, everything finger plays that go along with just te- teaching that specific joy. Actually, Richard's mother did so much of those first lesson plans, and it, they, I mean, it had a life of its own. We just thought, you know, I don't know if this is going to work, but honestly, it went by word of mouth and went like wildfire. Parents really are concerned about yeah. that, and we decided really that the JQ was more important than the IQ. The joy quotient, that's right, and it was interesting, and we're being a little personal here in this introductory tape, but we... We went off to England for three years on, a, on an assignment, and and uh, we had written just before we left a manuscript for a book called Teaching Your Children Joy, based on this whole philosophy that little kids should be spared this pushy early academics and instead focus on social and emotional happiness and well-adjustment and so on. And we left that manuscript with my mother, who was a preschool teacher and an early childhood education major and she during the three years we were in england worked out a remarkable curriculum where there were methods and stories and songs for each of these little joys and so not to belabor the point but those of you who are curious or who want to know more about joy schools just it's easy in in today's world isn't it just go to joy schools with an s dot com and you'll see the whole program but Back to the point of parenting by objective, our our philosophy was something like this, that while they're very young as preschoolers, the objective should be 
to help them to be socially and emotionally adjusted and happy. Then in the elementary years, five up to maybe 12, the goal is responsibility. The goal is helping them to understand that they have responsibilities and that they are capable of thinking and acting responsibly. And actually, that was a huge challenge for us and we know for most parents. Um, that involved a lot of things that we'll talk about um, later about entitlement and so on, but teaching kids to earn their own money and teaching kids that they have responsibilities in the home, that they must follow through on some little clever ways to uh, get them to follow through on it. And um, there, there are just so many things during that age. We call that the magic age. The kids are like sponges that age. They'll, they still think you're cool, and they still think that um, what you say is right, and, and they're going to do it. And it's just amazing what you can do with yeah. a child that age. They are just amazing. It's like a window of time, and it does close, doesn't it, Linda? About, yes. about 12 and 13, that that wonderful sort of naive sweetness and and that ability to learn and to sort of soak in things from the parents, that window starts closing a little bit. Well, it closes, uh, maybe it just goes a different direction. It goes a different direction. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to teenagers here in a minute and what we think the objective is for them. But uh, the point is not to miss that window and to understand that those elementary age kids are actually flattered by responsibility if you give it in the right way. And in future shows, we'll talk a lot about that, about the the correct way to give children a kind of responsibility that they want to accept and that they feel empowered by. And so we'll do a lot of that. Now, when you get to teenagers, the challenge changes again, and it, it becomes one of the difficulty with most adolescents is they are so wrapped up in themselves. We call it the mirror complex. We do, and and this whole, we actually did a book on each one of these sections, and this one was called Teaching Your Children Sensitivity, because that is what teenagers like. They just so often are not sensitive to what's going on around them or what other people's needs are, and, you know, they just have what what we call the window mirror complex. I mean, they just, everything is like a mirror to them. It reflects on, how does this affect me? What do I look like? What are people thinking about me? And we have some little systems systems that we've turned that around and tried to erase that mirror a little bit and make it into a window so they can see through it to what people's needs are, including their parents. And as you might guess, that involves a lot of methodology that's built around service, giving service to other people, going into homeless shelters, going to places where suddenly kids get made aware of how blessed they really are and how much they have. And how much other people may not have, and the fact that they actually possess the capacity to help other people and getting their minds a little less on themselves and a little more on other people. So bottom line of what we're saying in this introductory tape is that parenting goals should evolve. They should be one thing for preschoolers, a completely different thing for elementary age kids. And then in middle school and in adolescence, they evolve again into something that involves more extra-sensitive, outward-looking service and, and the giving of charity and of other concern for other people. So, so, you know, it's easy to talk about, but it's very, very hard to do. And we think the blessing of little radio shows like this and other ways that parents gather, I should tell you that you're always invited uh, to 
to our website, which has now become a parenting website where we, we are no longer the largest contributors, valuesparenting.com, all strung together, valuesparenting.com. And it's now almost a wiki site in the sense that uh, parents have good ideas and they send them in and they're incorporated there. But it's all built around what we've been talking about today, these objectives. Here's a section for preschoolers, and it's largely about teaching joy. Here's another section for elementary age kids focusing on responsibility. And here's a section for teenagers, and now we're talking more about service and sensitivity. But let me just close by saying, you know, parenting is the hardest job you'll ever love. It is so hard. And we certainly haven't done everything perfect. I wrote a book when all the kids were home called I Didn't Plan to Be a Witch because I certainly didn't. And kids are going to make mistakes. Parents are going to make mistakes. So we're kind of on this journey together. We like to say we are fellow strugglers, not experts, because we are still struggling with it. We were just talking about an issue together this afternoon. It really is the most challenging but also the most important thing that you'll ever do. And we're going to share the the challenges we have and the warts and all. You're not going to hear from us as the people I have all the answers and here's how to do it. We're going to tell you some of our experiences that have been so bad, you'll probably feel like, wow, I'm the good parent and the Iyers are the ones that screwed up. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we appreciate those of you who are listening. We hope this will be a continuing saga and uh, that we'll have a chance to really get to know you as we go along. So we'll see you next week, or at least you'll hear us next week. Signing off for now.